Well, it's going to be a short message, so listen carefully. And those of you who are in Christ, can I ask you for your help in prayer? Please pray that this seed falls on fertile ground. I was a stillborn child. I was born dead. For seven years, I lived on life support in a family that was alive, but my heart did not work. I didn't feel anything. Hunger, thirst, fear, I was dead. But then one Sunday night, when I was seven, I took a breath. (gasps) I felt the fear of falling for the very first time. I repented of my sin, my rebellion, my disobedience, and I ran to my mother's loving arms, and she looked into my longing eyes and said, You're alive. Your heart has come to life and welcomed the Savior. Welcome to the family. I was born again. J.C. Ryle says, nothing can happen that ought to be such an occasion of joy as conversion. It's far more important even than getting married or coming of age or wealth. It is the birth of an immortal soul. The rescue of a sinner from hell. It's being made a king and a priest forevermore in Christ. Being provided for both in time and eternity. It is the adoption into the noblest and richest of all families, the family of God. I'm going to read our passage from the ESV again, but if you'd like to follow along, I really encourage you to do that because these words have power. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in what in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. That's God's wrath, by the way. Like the rest of mankind. But God, praise the Lord for those two words, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, raised us up in him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
These words are some of the most shockingly counterintuitive verses in the whole Bible. You don't feel dead. You're walking around. It says it. In which you once lived. You're dead, but you're living. You're a zombie. Truly, in the real sense of the word, rotten inside, selfish, proud, lazy, fleshly, fulfilling every little desire that comes into your mind. That was me. Still is in parts of me. Three points, and then we'll be done. Verses 1 through 3, rotting in sin. Verses 4 through 7, raised with Christ. And verses 8 through 10, recreated for good works. First of all, rotting in sin. I'm going to read it just one more time in the NIV. As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you used to live. So there you go, dead but alive. When you followed what? Followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature deserving of wrath. There you go. The world, the devil, and the flesh are taking everyone down the broad road to destruction and you will go to hell and deserve it if you're not born again. That's the truth. That's what the Bible teaches. Titus 3, 3 through 7. If you want to turn there, you can, or just make a note of it. At one time, we too were foolish. This is Paul's way of saying the same thing to Titus. Disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared... He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. He does it. We must receive it. He does it all. He comes all the way to our door and then we must hear his voice and open the door and he comes in and he transforms us, bringing us to eternal life from inside out. Genesis chapter 3 was the beginning of this, of course. God told Adam and Eve, if you eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. That was the promise. And it came true. They died spiritually at the moment that they ate it. See, man is body, soul, that's your emotions and personality and thoughts, all that you know of of yourself inside. But there's a spiritual element too. There's a third place, a holy of holies down in your heart that is born dead when you are born. You're thinking, feeling, walking around, but inside you're a son or daughter of Adam and Eve. And you know what? So much of what we call religion is just an attempt to, as they say in Portuguese, pintar para o inglês ver. Whitewash that rotten heart, 
that selfish soul going around so people will think we're nice people, fixing up the rotten flesh with makeup and jewelry and cologne to keep others from smelling the aroma of death that rests on us because of our sin. As offspring of Adam and Eve, we are condemned to corruption and eternal death. It's kind of like Lazarus in the tomb. Remember Lazarus, the brother of Martha and Mary, who, went, who died and was buried for four days? Did he feel anything? I learned this from Billy Graham. He used this in one of his evangelistic uh, messages, so credit where credit is due. No hunger for his word, for fellowship, for prayer. No thirst for righteousness, for the kingdom of God. No love for others. No ears to hear or eyes of the heart to see our great inheritance in Jesus. Lack of feeling for another person's pain. That's what we're growing in, folks. Empathy, love, taking on a bird, the burden of others in the name of Jesus because that's what he did for us. And Jesus must say, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus obeys. He gets up and he walks out, a living person. That's what I'm praying he does for you today. If, he's ne if you've never heard his voice, come out of the grave of your sin into the light of Jesus' love. Repent of your whole life and say, I deserve wrath, but Jesus took the wrath for me and I accept it. Are you praying, saints? Second point. Raised with Christ. This is not my words, this is Paul. Ephesians 2, 4-7. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. He's talking to believers. He's saying, there was a day when you were raised up out of the death of your sin, out of the death of your selfish heart. He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms. In Christ Jesus, there's the key. In Christ Jesus, you are safe from the snake, from hell, from your own fleshly tendencies. Because you're in Christ. Just like Noah and his family were in the ark and safe from the flood. In order that, verse 7... In the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. I believe he's going to do that today with some testimonies before baptism. Show the glory of his grace by the transformation that happens in a life that sets him on the throne. Let's look at a couple of verses. John 3, verse 3 says, You must be born again. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You've got to be born again. You've got to be born of the Spirit. Not just of flesh and blood. Romans 10. Oh, that's Mark 1, 15. The time has come, says Jesus. The kingdom of God has come near in Christ. Repent and believe the gospel. That's all we do. See, when we're born, we're going this way. We're saying, oh, I want to do that. Oh, that looks good. Oh, I love this. I love you. But I love you too. Your flesh the world and the devil are just drawing you down this broad road to destruction and it ends with the devil in the lake of fire. 
And God gives you these messages all along. My creation is beautiful. You know you're doing the wrong thing. Turn around, come back to me. And he's over there calling us. And at some point, it's like, where is that voice coming from? And you turn around and see the face of the one who made you and loves you and died for you. And you say, that's what I've always longed for. You're the love of my life. And you repent of going that way. And the rest of your life, you're going this way. And yes, you glance over your shoulder and say, oh, that looks kind of fun. And then you hear Jesus convicting you of your sin again. You say, no, but this is what I want. The pleasures at his right hand, the fullness of joy in his presence is what you long for, my friend. And he wants to raise you up from death to life. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a promise. If you believe this in your heart, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your king, your master, that he purchased you from death and Satan, you will be saved from certain wrath in the end. That's all we depend on. That promise. The third point is that we are not left in ourselves. We are recreated. We're not just saved from hell. We are made righteous in Christ. The Bible says He gives us His goodness. You see, you're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you're a sinner. The same way, you're not a righteous good person because you do righteous good things. It's the opposite. You do good things once you become a good person. Only good people do good things because selfish, proud, lazy people like me do good things so that other people will tell them how good they are. Do good things so that they'll get some return on their investment. Do good things to aparecer. And it's just more sin. Your goodness is filthy rags before God. It doesn't make you good. But this verse, and let's read it again, verses 8 through 10 of Ephesians 10, of 2, says this, For it is by grace you have been saved. That's God's undeserved gift in Christ. Through faith, that's my acceptance of it. That's my opening the door, my repentance. This is not from yourselves. Not even the faith comes from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has prepared good works for each of us to do. They're in the future, step by step, and He wants you to get the blessing of cooperating with His great mission. The only way you can do that is by turning from your sin and becoming a living being in Him. Philippians 3.10 is Paul's mission statement, and he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection, participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. What is that? Dying to sin day by day, and living to God through the Spirit. That's what he wants us to do as well. Romans 6, great place to go for all of this. Romans 6, 3 says, Don't you know that all of us 
who were baptized into Christ Jesus, some people, six people are going to do that this morning, were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Think about Noah running to the open door of the ark before the rain started and then God shutting that door. In the ark, he was safe. Just like that, I invite you this morning to run to the open door of Jesus' body. Through faith, through acceptance of his sufficient sacrifice, you can be safe in Christ who will never suffer the wrath of God. He already took the wrath on himself on the cross. It's paid. All you do is sign the blank check. Let's conclude before we hear some testimonies. You and I were born dead in sin, rotten to the core as descendants of Adam and Eve. That's what Ephesians 2 declares. Let me say it in Portuguese just in case you don't understand the English. Nascemos mortos podres no pecado como filhos de Adão e Eva. Objetos da ira de Deus. We were born that way. You didn't have to do a thing. You were already conceived in sin in your mother's womb. That's what Psalm 51 says. No hope outside of Christ. Number two, God came through Jesus, incarnating himself in a human body, living a perfect life, dying an undeserved death in your and my place in order to raise us up to new life in Him. Deus veio por meio de Jesus Cristo, morreu a nossa morte para nos ressuscitar, para nos ressuscitar para uma nova vida nele. Only in Christ do you have that new life. You cannot earn it. You cannot do good enough works to get there. And then finally, when you and I come into Him, Receiving Him as Lord and Savior by faith, we become righteous in Him in order to take up our crosses and follow Him in righteous service as part of His mission to make His glory known in the world. Let me say that one in Portuguese too, just so you understand. Quando entramos no corpo dEle, por meio da fé, recebendo-o como Senhor e Salvador pela fé, nos tornamos justos nele para tomar a nossa cruz e seguir a Jesus em serviço à missão dele de encher o mundo inteiro com conhecimento da sua glória. As the serpent was lifted up, so I must be lifted up. How? So that all you do is look in faith at Christ. That's all we do. Turn from yourself, turn from the world, turn from your sin, and look at Jesus and know that if you were the only one in the world, he would have done it for you. You will be saved. Start a new life. You start feeling pains you never felt before because your sin will make you sick. The Holy Spirit will take up residence in your body, and he will use you in the world to do his work. Just one last way of saying it before we hear some testimonies. 
There is a kingdom that you and I cannot even imagine. It has not entered into our minds how wonderful it is. It's already forcefully advancing and taking over everything. But only those who are born of the Spirit become part of that kingdom. The Father in heaven wants to be your Father so you can share in His inheritance in the saints. But no one is born a child of God. He came to His own and His own did not receive Him. But to all who received Him, who believed on His name, to them He gave power to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of, the human, of human decision, but born of God. Let me just pray for you before we hear some testimonies. I hope, I've been praying, others are praying, that you have heard the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit this morning. That Jesus has knocked on your heart. The promise is that if you heard that voice, and you will open the door, He will come in and sit down at a meal with you and know you, and you will know Him. If you've heard that voice, just turn to Him and say, Yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I'm hopeless without you. Save me. You're my Lord. That's all you do. And He does the rest. He's already done it. He will credit it to your account. If you've done that this morning, I'd like to know about it, or someone else needs to know, tell someone that you made that commitment, that you said yes to Jesus, and have them pray for you. Because we walk in the light, we walk in community with each other, we walk holding hands in this walk of faith toward Christ-likeness. So I pray that you'll be able to do that.